What's good? What's good? Welcome in and thank you for coming to Ball About the South with C. Wood. Ball About the South, it is that sports podcast where we talk real sports and we do it with with real southern flavor and like I say, man, just really glad that you decided to drop by and check me out for a little bit. This is the 18th episode of my little podcast right here. So, um, yeah, man, we're kind of moving right along the second podcast here in 2022. And, uh, yeah, got a lot to talk about, obviously. Uh, my name is Kerry Wood. You can find me on Twitter and IG, at Wood on Sports. And uh, so anytime you want to just chop up anything, sports, NBA, NFL, SEC, doesn't matter what it is, man. Hit me up, you know, you know see what we can um, – See if we can have a little fun talking all these sports that we love to watch and uh, be a part of and everything. Anyway, man, we're not not, not going to really waste too much of your time getting into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to kind of lay out the um, kind of lay out the menu for today's <laughs> for today's uh, uh, episode. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot of NFL, the NFL playoffs in full swing. Uh, we had uh, a lot going on last week. Well, actually, last weekend, a uh, super, super wild card weekend went down, and uh, we're gonna get into that a little bit as uh, we go as we go on with the show. Uh, a lot, yeah, maybe not the most entertaining weekend that we've ever seen. Uh, I definitely will say that. A uh, couple, you know, had a few blowouts. Had a couple decent games mixed in there where teams kind of uh, made a little bit of a comeback toward the end of the game and, and made things a lot closer. But other than that, man, the weekend was kind of a dud. I mean, you know, unfortunately. kind of happens that way after the, the weekend that we saw um, uh, in week 18. You, you know, kind of, for whatever reason, man, it, it always kind of sets up that sets up that way. We'll have a fantastic week and then we'll you know, all that'll kind of just seem to just fall off a cliff. <laughs> and that's what we saw last week is we um, again the action just was not what we wanted. And we wanted a lot of tight games and uh, we didn't get and we didn't get that. So anyway we'll talk a little bit about that of course. Uh obviously we're looking at the divisional round coming up this coming weekend, and we have the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, from this, uh, from our neck of the woods, they will be uh, doing their thing this weekend. Tampa Bay hosting the uh, L.A. Rams on Sunday, and Tennessee hosting the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday afternoon. So we're gonna get uh, look extensively into both of those games a little bit later in the show. We'll also talk uh, the other two games that are coming up this coming weekend. The Buffalo Bills traveling to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. And then, of course, the San Francisco 49ers. That is the second game on Saturday evening. The 49ers traveling to Lambeau Field to face the Green Bay Packers. I mean, how cold is it going to be at Lambeau Field? Uh, I mean, it's... (laughs) <laughs> the temperatures here in Birmingham are in like the 20s 
uh, or whatever. I think it was like maybe 30 degrees yesterday with the wind whipping up. Windshield probably around, I think the windshield was around 18, 19 degrees or whatever. If it's like that here, what is it going to be at Lambeau Field on, on Saturday evening? I don't know. I mean, Buffalo looked really cold last week. Uh, when New England came calling last Saturday night, that was crazy. I think it was what two degrees, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. But anyway, we'll get into both of those games as well as we get closer to, uh, to uh, NFL divisional playoff weekend. Um, also on the show today, we're going to get into some college hoops. We're going to talk some Memphis hoops. Uh, we've talked Memphis here and there. Um, since college basketball was started up. Haven't talked extensively about them, but we'll get into them a little bit today because of, uh, well, they've lost a game or two here of late. So, they're, you know, they had that kind of a hot streak going where it kind of started off with that win against Alabama. And they had a couple conference wins. They did, they did lose one early in the conference season to Tulane, and they got a couple conference wins back that up and we're kind of looking pretty decent there and now they've kind of reverted back and it seems like the pressure is getting to Penny Hardaway there um, there were some comments that he made and you know, after someone in the media asked him a question in the press conference so we're going to get into that uh, we'll talk about that a little bit we'll talk a little bit about Alabama we'll get into them they had a win the other night but the struggle has been real for that basketball team. We'll talk a little bit about them, but um, we'll talk a little bit more extensively about the Red Hot Kentucky Wildcats as they have a humongous matchup against the Auburn Tigers, the undefeated in the league Auburn Tigers. They are now the only undefeated team in the SEC after their win uh, on Wednesday night over Georgia and Texas A&M's loss to Kentucky. So Auburn is, uh, they are, again, they are only undefeated team in the league. So we'll go around the SEC. That's what we're going to call that segment. And we'll talk some college hoops in the SEC. We'll also talk some transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit of college football. Transfer portal uh, was pretty hot and heavy for both Alabama and for Georgia. We'll get into some of that in my Around the SEC segment. We'll also talk, again, we'll talk uh, uh, more NFL. Uh, we're going to we'll get into uh, what we saw last weekend as well, it was Super super Wild Card Weekend. And, uh, you know, so we're going to, you know, maybe if we have a little bit of time, we'll sprinkle some NBA in there as well. So, again, jam-packed show as usual. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to start it off, man. Let's go back and start off with what we saw last weekend in the Super Wild Card Weekend. Okay, so we're going to get into the Super Wild Card Weekend and uh, what we looked at from last week. For me, uh, me picking the games here on the show last week, I went 5-1. and one. Not too bad. Uh, and it came down basically to the Raiders. I mean, I was, that was the only one that I missed. I thought that the Raiders would pull the, um, I would have called it a mild upset. I wouldn't have called it a humongous upset or anything like that. But um, they they come up just a little bit short. 
And of course they would. And it would kind of work out that way. All these games, it seems like for the last couple of months, uh, the Raiders have sat here and won games, you know, in their in their final uh, drive of the game or whatever, in the final minutes of the game, overtime, uh, or if they didn't if they didn't win the game, they had a game tying possession, a game tying drive that uh, you know that was led by David Carr or whatever, and of course their um, their kicker. Uh, Carlson, uh, you know, would be the guy tying the game up or putting them up, uh, putting them in the lead or putting them uh, when actually winning the game. I mean, he had a couple of walk-off kicks in uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, the last couple of months of the season and everything. So that's kind of how I thought that game was going to play out. That drive, um, the one before the uh, their final drive, their second to last drive, basically. Uh, Man, that that was that was kind of just a lot of misfortune because on that third down play, I think they were inside the ten. I think they were around the eight nine yard line or whatever because it was third and wait, wait a minute, no, I think they had a chance to get a first down. So it was not third and goal; it was third and about five or six or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but Carr drops back and throws the football, and uh, he's looking for Darren Waller, the tight end. I don't know, kind of in the right flat or whatever. Waller was open. He would have gotten to the first down mark. He was right there at it. And Carr throws the ball and it hits the Cincinnati defender's helmet. And, of course, that knocked the trajectory of the pass off and it goes out of bounds. So on that drive, the Raiders have to settle for the three. Uh, obviously, it's not set in stone that, that the Raiders are going to score a touchdown on that drive, but you kind of like their chances at that point. First down inside the five-yard line or whatever. Anyway, they settled for the field goal, and I, th- I thought that was pretty big, obviously, because it set it up where they had to score a touchdown. They could not tie the game or win the game with the field goal or whatever on that last possession. And then so they get all the way back down there again. Same, you know, it was almost kind of like it might have been the same kind of play that uh, – Car through the interception on there to end the game. Uh, kind of the same type play out, kind of out in the flat or whatever. And um, anyway, Car threw the interception, and Cincinnati uh, put the game away, winning that game 26 to 19. So that was the only game that I missed last week. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that <laughs> that I, I saw some of the scores that we saw. I definitely did not see the um Buffalo Bills and New England score. That that kind of threw me a little bit. I'm not necessarily surprised that Buffalo was able to um uh, beat them handily. I, I once was not expecting them to put up forty seven points or whatever it was uh last week. That was crazy. Um man this this you know again so that you know that that was even though I did get the pick right, Buffalo. I, I did not expect that game to be as lopsided as it was. I'm telling you, the Buffalo Bills were very impressive. They came kind of with an attitude like man, y'all. You know they they didn't they did not forget that Monday night game where Mac Jones only threw three passes and completed two of them. <laughs> But the New England Patriots went, ran for, what, over 250 yards or whatever in that game. 
and ended up beating the Bills. They, the Bills did not forget. They didn't forget it because they, either way, because you sat there and you saw how they played the game uh, once they returned the favor in New England a few weeks later, a few weeks after that game. And then they come back and they do the same thing again. They really, uh, really, in, in a lot of ways, kind of dominated New England in, in the uh, game at, in Foxborough. And uh, New England was able to uh, score a couple times and kind of, eh, you know, kind of keep that game sort of respectable. There wasn't no respectable going on in this game. They, uh, the Buffalo Bills came out with a mission and they accomplished it big time. They pressured Mac Jones. And we've seen that Mac Jones has had his struggles in the last few weeks of the season. And, um, and you know, it's look. It's I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. I think it's just one of those things that you know teams have, have kind of they've gotten Mac Jones on tape now. Uh, obviously, this is why Belichick did not want to you know put him you know kind of throw him to the wolves. Even though yes, he was starting, they did not give him a whole lot to really work with as far as the passing game and throwing the ball downfield or anything like that. They didn't take too many chances with him. And uh, kind of this is kind of why, but I think they kind of felt like they had to um, up the ante for um, Mac Jones a little bit and have him throw the football a little bit more because, one, for one, they got down early. I mean, they were down 14 nothing before uh, the national anthem was over, seemed like. And, um, again, I, I think the running game was not working as, as as well as it was in that Monday night game. So I felt like the, the Patriots felt like they had to uh, kind of lean on Mac Jones a little bit more. He actually made some plays there early in the game, and he actually made <laughs> a play with his legs that a lot of people may have had a big-time reaction on on Twitter. And uh, a lot of people, man, I think a lot of people are really surprised that Mac Jones can run. I'm I'm not. But, you know, again, I'm an Alabama fan that that saw Mac Jones before he played last season at Alabama. I mean, we, he had played two, we had seen two seasons of Mac Jones at least coming in for some mop-up duty or playing in spring games. And we saw, if you're an Alabama fan, you saw that Mac Jones can run. Now, is he Lamar Jackson or is he Mike Vick? No. <laughs> okay? Nothing like that. But I thought it was always underrated, an underrated um, uh, part about him or underrated, uh, uh, you know, thing about him that, that a lot of people just kind of overlooked because this dude, again, he can, he can escape the pocket. And he can make plays out of the pocket. He, he, we saw it at Alabama. I just don't think he had to see it as much last season because, obviously, you look at Alabama's offensive line, he was never really under duress as much. And then, obviously, of course, you know, it, 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 you know, you look at the level of competition. Alabama, you know, again, last season where um, Mac Jones played at, at Alabama, it was just different, man. I mean, it was just different. I mean, you know, so you really didn't get a chance to see this guy really running or anything like that. He didn't have to. But, again, like I said, we saw Mac Jones a couple of years prior to that 
couple spring games prior to that, you knew he had that ability. And uh, he showed it on in that you know, a couple plays in that game last week. So anyway, uh, the Patriots go down hard. And I'm not really surprised as far as the Patriots losing that game. Like I said, I, I just never was a believer in the Patriots being an actual Super Bowl contender. I, I, I was never understanding why people were kind of, you know, kind of putting them in that kind of um, – in that kind of talk or whatever, I just I never really got it. I, I I thought the defense was really good, but you know, again, I thought they were really good at uh, getting to the quarterback and things of that nature. But I had questions about their secondary, and kind of some of that came out last Saturday. Um, even though the defense has been really good, I had questions about them offensively because again, you, you're looking at a a team that was basically leaning on on their run game. And they were not looking to push the envelope throwing the football downfield, anything like that. So I just never really thought the Patriots would be a really uh, viable threat to get to the Super Bowl. And I and to be honest with you, I look at them being what ten and seven. I to be honest, I kind of think they overachieved this season. I just really do. So I you know I think it was a good season for the Patriots. I think a lot of Patriots fans. There was some media talking, oh, well, you know, Belichick didn't get it done, all this, whatever. I just, I mean, really, are we going to really hold this against Bill Belichick if he didn't get this team to the Super Bowl or he didn't get this team to the AFC title game? Uh, I'm not really getting that talk, man. So I, 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 I think they overachieved. That's just my opinion on that. So anyway, the uh, Bills move on. Um, you look at the other AFC game, the Cincinnati uh, that we saw last weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs. Not a whole lot to talk about there. <laughs> Obviously, probably the biggest thing <laughs> uh, to come out of that game is, is Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. I mean, Big Ben, you know, playing his last game. I was glad that he was able to uh, find the end zone a couple of times there late in that game. But that game, you know, look, man, that was a the Steelers were big time overmatched. There was no question about that. They were, in my opinion, they were the weakest of the playoff teams. I don't think there's any question about that either. And um, you know, I'm not gonna say they backed their way into the playoffs. They actually won that game against Baltimore, so you can't say that they backed their way into the playoffs. But uh this is not a your vintage playoff team that we've been used to seeing from the Steelers over the years. This is it it just was not and the Kansas City Chiefs exploited them and running trick plays against them and all that kind of stuff. Had Travis Kelsey end up throwing a touchdown pass. And, you know, it, it, it was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly. And the Chiefs move on, winning that game 42-21. I don't think the Chiefs are going to have it quite as easy this coming weekend. Okay, so we'll get in that game as uh you know we'll kind of preview that one the bills traveling to the chiefs last uh, rematch of last year's AFC title game here in the divisional round so we'll uh talk about that a little bit uh later in the show and I'll give you my prediction on what I think is going to happen in that game um uh, obviously probably the biggest game of the weekend the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. I thought that going into the weekend, this would be possibly the most entertaining game of the six. 
and it kind of pretty much turned out to be so. Uh, uh, the, uh, San Francisco looked like they were going to run away with this football game, leading 23-7 to at one point, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 23-7. to And Dallas decided they would show up. <laughs> they would finally show up. And uh, they made a game of it. You have to give them credit for that. But, you know, other than that, I, I, I don't know if you're a Cowboys fan. I'm not sure. Like, you you got to be pretty – you got to be f- feeling pretty rotten about what you saw on Sunday. You just do. I mean, and, you know, and I, again, I, I you have to give them credit for coming back. But, man, I mean – I don't know. This game, if the 49ers did not, didn't help them, I mean, we're talking about a possible blowout in Dallas. Okay, you're talking about a, you know, a Cowboys team that started the season looking like, okay, you know what, maybe this team, maybe this, maybe this is the team that's, a, that's at least going to get to the NFC title game, possibly to the Super Bowl. Maybe this is that team. And I realized that they had some injuries along the way. I realized they had some things going on. Not enough to sit there and warrant the performance that we saw on Sunday. And, and again, it just begs the question, I mean, what happened to this offense? I mean, San Francisco has a pretty good defense. But they shouldn't be that good where they shut down Dallas the way they did for for basically three quarters. I mean, you know, you, one of your touchdowns there in the fourth quarter was off a of, of short field off of that Jimmy Garoppolo interception. I mean, you know, and again, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked about it a little bit last week. That was my biggest fear in picking the 49ers to win that game. Would Jimmy Garoppolo find a way to screw it up? And he almost did. <laughs> he almost did. He almost screwed it up with another just, you know, this really stupid interception. He almost did it. But uh, 49ers defense was able to stand tall there on the last drive. Obviously, Fort well, I'm not going to say they actually stood tall because, to be honest with you, I thought the 49ers played a little bit too soft on the Cowboys receivers on the outside. It basically took Dak Prescott kind of having a brain fart moment of him, of his own and running the ball like he did with very little time on the clock. And, of course, the time ran out before he could get up and line this guys up and spike the ball and stop the clock again. So, it, you know, again, even if he did, we're still talking about him having to throw the ball into the end zone from about 20, 25 yards out. So, obviously, I mean, again, it gets you a, it gets you a chance that you probably never should have had. I mean, you never should have had that chance to, to even, you know, to be able to even throw the throw the ball into the end zone. You should you should not have. Forty Niners probably should have been up at least two scores, and the game should have been over. Realistically, when you look at it, but even so, you're still talking about a you know a pretty low percentage chance of you. Um, actually converting that into a touchdown and winning the game. So anyway, uh, again, a lot to sort out in Dallas, man. Again, you look at uh, Mike McCarthy. I mean, this is a dude that 
he, I mean, obviously lots and lots of success in Green Bay, but not a lot of success in the playoffs. And it's kind of starting off the same way in Dallas. So you have to wonder, man, what is what is going to be the deal? Because you should the roster should not be the issue. <laughs> you have everything that you need on that roster. You've got one. You've got the the most ball hawking defensive back in the league. You have one of the most the best up and coming. Um, Linebackers or edge rushers that that uh, in the league and Michael Parsons, you have a really good defensive line. You should be, you know, maybe you have some holes in the offensive line, maybe, but I don't think it's really too much that you know. I don't think it's that bad. Okay, and then you have you have Zeke Elliott, you have Pollard, so you got two really good running backs. You got a nice one-two punch at running back. You have uh, you have C.D. Lamb, you've got Cooper, all those guys at wide receiver. Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. And you're playing at home. And now you're sitting at home watching the rest of the playoffs. I don't know, man. It just kind of gives you that vibe, man. Until Jerry Jones, you know, kind of butts his head out of the day-to-day business of this football team and it's just the owner and just kind of steps back and lets the people that he hires run the football team, run the operations of this football team. It just seems like they're never going to get where they really want to go. There are millions and millions of fans who want them to go. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, we're going to finish off this segment, man, and talk about the Tampa Bay game. The team from the only team from our neck of the woods that um, uh, made an appearance on Super Wild Card Weekend, the Buccaneers. They get off to a fast start against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, making the Eagles' defense look really bad. They get up 10 nothing early, and they just kind of run away and hide after that. Getting up as many as thirty-one nothing before the Eagles threw, uh, got a couple late touchdowns there. Uh, really sound performance. That's all you can say. On both sides of the football, they took away Philadelphia's run game, which obviously was, you know, that was a that was a huge element to Tampa Bay being able to dominate this game. You know, making it where Jalen Hurts is going to have to kind of throw the football to beat you. That's that is exactly the formula that you want. And Jalen Hurts, man, is kind of talking about him throwing the football. He had a rough day. He's had a rough. He's had a rough time here and there. As look, man, this dude is still basically a rookie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's so he's had he's had his rough moments. There's no question about that. He really has. And Sunday was one of them, and uh, he had some opportunities, man. That's that's the thing that that kind of I don't know, man. Kind of I I, I I was kind of um, sad to see because there were some opportunities he had to, to maybe make some plays downfield, and that kind of gets you back to kind of thinking about him at Alabama back when two of. Uh, came in and basically took his job 
and unseated him as the uh, starting quarterback and everything. Jalen was always kind of a guy that kind of locked in on one guy. And if I remember correctly, that guy was Calvin Ridley at the time. He was, you know, or, or maybe it was Jerry Judy. And uh, Jalen was always kind of just kind of locked in on those guys. And defenses around the SEC knew it. And Alabama, probably the um, the season where Alabama may have had more struggles offensively than they've had maybe since Nick Saban has been in Tuscaloosa was that season where, um, you know, again, like I said, Jalen had problems going through his progressions. He, he kind of locked in on one guy. And it seemed like in the first half of this game and, and into the second half to a degree, he was kind of locked in on his tight end, Dallas Goddard, instead of trying to get the football to guys like Devontae Smith and uh, Rager, you know, his, his wide receivers and everything. So and, and and there was some opportunity to get the, to get the ball to them. Uh, he did have that one interception in the first half. I don't really fully blame Jalen all the way for that one. He did. Now he kind of threw that ball off balance, and that affected him getting the ball down to Devontae, who had um, shook his guy, uh, and the defensive back fell down. Devontae was wide open in the end zone, but. Uh, the safety for Tampa Bay made a hell of a play getting back into the picture and, and picking the ball off before he got out of bounds and everything right there at the goal line. But, uh, you know, Jalen was a little, under a little bit of duress on that play and, and he kind of threw it off his back foot and he could not fully get his, you know, get his arm into that into that pass the way you'd like him to and it ended up, and it ended up being an interception. So, I, I mean, again, that was obviously an exception on Jalen, but I don't fully blame him for that pick. But there were a couple other plays where it looked like he probably could have gotten the ball to Devontae Smith downfield, maybe made a couple big plays in the first half and kind of kept that game a little bit closer. But uh, I don't know if he just didn't see him, he didn't have time to get the ball to him or whatever, but there were a couple of them, a couple of them that he missed, and that kind of just brought – back some memories of uh, when he was playing in Tuscaloosa before Tua came along. So, of course, after that, Jalen got, and I think he got things straight. Alabama changed quarterback coaches because uh, the quarterback coach that particular season was Brian Dable, and this is a guy that's having his name mentioned in uh, a lot of circles as being a head coach in several places of this uh uh, Brian Dable, he's a really good offensive guy, but I think he kind of struggled that season with Alabama, to be honest with you. I think he's just more of an NFL guy. He just wasn't really a college guy, so he had that one season there in Tuscaloosa, and then uh, Alabama changed quarterback coaches or whatever, and, and uh, Jalen, you saw the instant improvement in Jalen after that. And then, of course, he went on to Oklahoma, and he was he sat there and became a Heisman finalist. So, again, Jalen's got it in him. He's going to be fine. He just had he just had a rough go of it on last Sunday, and at times here in this past season, at least throwing the football again. But it all gets back to taking away the run game from the, from the Eagles, the number one run game in the league. 
And the the course the the big strength of Tampa Bay's defense has always been their run defense. So strength on strength and uh, the defense won that battle and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up winning that game thirty one fifteen. So again, five and one, not too bad in uh my predictions and everything. It was not, not the best super super wild card weekend. I don't know if there was anything super about it except the fact that there are six games instead of what we used to be having as four a couple of years ago. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, it was still uh, it was still worth the watch. Regardless, it was still good football, and uh, I I still ended up enjoying a lot of anyway. Okay, y'all, so that's enough for the Super Wild Card Weekend Recap. We're going to get into, again, we're going to get into some college basketball. We're going to do the NFL Divisional Playoff. We're going to do some predictions and all of that later in the show. But we're going to take a quick break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to get into this Memphis and Anthony Hardaway thing. What is going on there? When Ball About the South continues say to this media because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me we don't have our full roster y'all know we don't have our full roster stop asking me stupid questions about if i feel like i can do something if i had my roster like they did then i feel like i can do whatever i want to do i'm coaching really hard my boys are playing really hard i'm not embarrassed about nothing we have four freshmen starting y'all need to act like it Act like we got 17, 18, and 19 year olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24 year old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. All right, y'all. We're back, man. And uh, you were just listening to. Uh, excerpt from a presser uh, press conference the other night after the Memphis Tigers lost to the SMU Mustangs. Uh, it was the third consecutive loss for the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken. And um, the reporter's named Jeff Calkins. He's a longtime Memphis um, beat writer up there in the Memphis area. I think, uh, I think what is the paper called up there? The Commercial Appeal, I think. As uh, long as I've been kind of following sports radio and everything this guy's been um you know big time reporter up there in the memphis area so i just wanted to kind of give my perspective on this whole thing with memphis and penny that whole situation up there obviously it's a mess right now and i think it's a mess for a lot of different reasons we've talked about memphis on this show here in the past and uh, they're going through some things. I think they're going through COVID or whatever. I think they've had some issues with that. I think maybe they have a couple of injuries as well, as uh, Penny alluded to, you know, saying that he's playing four freshmen and everything. You know, I'm sorry, not playing four freshmen. He's starting four freshmen. I'm going to say this, man. I, I'm going to have to side. <laughs> I'm going to have to roll with Penny on this one. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that I, you know, that I'm going along with him on this uh, F-bombs or whatever. But at the same time, I understand. (laughs) Okay. No, he should not have, you know, uh, 
come up with the f bombs in 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 reaction to that question, but I understand. I mean, you know, you're sitting there seeing your name plastered in, in the newspapers on on media websites and all of that across Memphis. You're seeing what people are saying on social media. I don't know how closely he watches all of that stuff, but you know he's got to see it. You know he knows what's going on. So, you know, it's it's obviously this dude's going to be frustrated. This dude loves Memphis. He is a Memphis alum. I guess it was maybe Memphis State when he went there. Doesn't matter. Same school. You know, this dude bleeds Memphis, and he wants to win. And so what kind of question is that? What kind of stupid question is that to ask him, oh, do you think you can get the job done? <laughs> really? What's he supposed to say? Nah, I don't think I can get it done, man. I'm just I'm just up here BSing y'all around, man. I'm just BSing y'all around. I'm BSing this school around. I'm just here just taking up space and, and getting a check. I don't think I could do a, a thing. No, I don't think I can win. I don't I'm not going out here getting these top recruits to win. No. So no, I you know, I'm not, I'm just I'm just doing these things because I just want to waste time and and say, you know, maybe get to be called a coach, a head coach for a while for a few years until y'all decide to fire me or until I decide to quit or whatever, you know. I mean, come on, man. It was a dumb question. How is he supposed to react to it? Obviously not in the, the manner that he did, and he has uh, since come back and apologized. But dude, man, you can't ask, you cannot answer that man that question in that in that uh, in that element in that, in that situation, man. You can't and expect to just get a just a cookie cutter answer every time. Just can't do it. So you know, again, this thing is really really turn for the bad in Memphis. We'll see how things go. I still think that they can be, um, they can get things turned around because, look, I mean, we're still just in January. We've got the the entire month of February to go. And then, you know, then you got the tournament. Obviously, that's not what they envisioned coming into the season. This is not, they did not envision this team being a, a bubble type team. A team that was, you know, barely gets into the NCAA tournament. They expected this team to compete with Houston and the AAC for the uh, for the conference championship, and they expected this team to be a a lock for the tournament and a team that once they got to the tournament that could do some damage, at least possibly, uh, probably into the second weekend or maybe further of the tournament. I mean, that's that was the goal of this team, and it. And I, I don't see why you um, have to change uh, have to change that goal right now. Obviously, they've got a lot of work to do. And I, you know, I saw some of that game against SMU the other night, and they've, you know, they it, they're a mess right now on both sides of the, of the basketball, both sides of the floor. I mean, SMU was getting anything they wanted at the rim, and that just should not be the case. So, you know, it kind of makes you think about what type of effort these kids are putting out. I don't know that it's, you know, again, you know, obviously the question is uh, going to be out there. Have they quit on pennies? You know, that question is automatically going to be out there. I mean, it's just, 
I don't know. This it, it, it's just one of those things that, that gets asked every time. Um, I don't think they quit on him. There are some some big time lapses defensively, but again, we're talking about a bunch of youngsters, man. A bunch of youngsters out there trying to figure this thing out on their own, and it takes it. It just takes time. We saw Kentucky going through the same sort of thing under John Calipari. The the the, the difference is John Calipari has taken two. You know, has multiple Final Four appearances. He has a national championship under his belt. He's won. You know, and then a lot of the years that he didn't go to the Final Four or win a national championship or SEC championship, they were right there. Okay, you know, they you know, so this dude obviously has earned, you know, the the uh you know, the the right, I guess you could say, to to have a bad season like Kentucky had uh last year or whatever. Penny's still kinda working his way to get, to kinda get that kind of clout. So, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> again, it, it, there's there's plenty of time. At least Memphis has a couple of, of wins that they can kind of hang their hat on. Right now, Alabama is not looking at looking as like as great a win as it was uh, when it happened in December, but they still have the Alabama win under their hat. Alabama right now is the number one ranked strength of schedule. They're... Um, I think one there there are a lot of categories. Alabama's like way up there as far as you know schedule strength and net rating and things of that nature. So it's just one win and it was at home, but it's still something that Memphis can I think hang their hat on if they can go on a run here to end the month of January and 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 uh, set up a really strong uh, finish in February and March. So I mean, there's still time for them to get this thing straight. We'll just have to see if they actually are able to do it. But they've got a lot to clean up. I mean, it's just, it's just it is what it is. Guard play is inconsistent. They're turning the ball over far too much. But, again, we're talking about a bunch of freshmen. So, you know, I thought that was a um, very interesting interaction the other night with Penny. And I'm glad he went on and came back and apologized to the city of Memphis, the uh, school, the players and fans and everything. Notice, <laughs> if you go back and find that, that uh, his apology, he did not apologize to the reporter. <laughs> okay? So, anyway, speaking of the Alabama Crimson Tide, as we move on from Memphis basketball and we move on into my around the SEC segment. The Alabama Crimson Tide, they come away with a you know, I mean a huge win Wednesday night, seventy to sixty seven over the LSU Tigers. That win was needed in the worst way for this Alabama basketball team as I just talked about, man. They they have really taken a big slide since those huge wins that they had in the month of December. Um, let me just talk briefly about them. Man, you know, that game of the night, and they had a 13-point lead kind of midway through that second half. Well, actually, a little bit more than that. I think maybe it was like five, six minutes remaining. If that, maybe less than that. And LSU went on a big run where they just seemed like they couldn't miss. 
they hit three after three. I think they hit like four or five straight threes. And um, I don't think they took the lead, but I know they tied it up at one point. But Alabama was able to find a way to win the game and um, get off that three-game losing streak that they were on. And now, that uh, you know, Alabama has a chance to, uh, again, they got another set of Tigers coming in, the Missouri Tigers coming up Saturday afternoon, and then they play Georgia. So those are two games Alabama should win and really must win because if you sit there and you look at the schedule after that, Next Saturday is the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I don't know if they call it the Big 12 SEC Challenge or if they call it the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but uh, Alabama hosts the defending national champion Baylor Bears, who have lost a couple of games here in the last week or so, which is kind of um, a little bit of a, a, a surprise to everyone, I think, especially uh, I know one of those games at least was at home. So Baylor's going to be coming in probably a little bit pissed off and everything. <laughs> uh, we'll see how they play this coming week or whatever. But, you know, they start they start off with that game in Tuscaloosa. Then the next week, the midweek game, they travel to Auburn. And then the Saturday following, they welcome the Kentucky Wildcats to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Crazy stretch for this Alabama basketball team. So you you see why winning these two games that they should win is is, is of utmost importance. And I'm going to put it to you like this, man. You know, we, you know, seeing that how this team struggles on offense, this is a team that hit seven of 19 three-pointers in the first half. Shot the ball pretty decent from the three-point range. I mean, you know, that's over 33%, 34 35%, which is about where you want to be. You want you don't want to be much lower than that, that's for sure. 7 of 19 is pretty good. Um, they go 0 for 15 in the second half. Again, the key, the key here is they found a way to win the game because I, I really believe a lot of their inadequacies on defense is – due to their inadequacies on offense, okay? You know, not being able to score in, in, in stretches of the game, taking bad shots, giving long rebounds, and giving teams an, an opportunity to get out and, and uh, beat them on the break or uh, beat them down the court before uh, Alabama was able to set their defense and things like that. And I think those are things that have hurt Alabama defensively. I think it's kind of a, you know, and again, I just think maybe this is kind of a head game as well. When you're sitting there seeing your shots not fall on one end of the floor, it's kind of hard to kind of get excited about playing defense on the other end of the floor. I mean, I, I know that sounds like an excuse, but I'm just saying, I just think it's, a, you know, it's kind of a psychological thing sometimes. So, you know, again, man, that, so it, it was, it was, that was huge that they were able to find a way to win the game going 0 for 15 in the second half from three-point range, and they were able to find a way to win uh, and, you know, and beat a good team, a, a team that's ranked. The LSU Tigers had only lost one game until Saturday. Uh, and then that was – I'm sorry, they had lost twice because they lost to Arkansas at home. So they've lost two in a row now, actually. Uh, and the other game was at Auburn. I mean, so, you know – 
So this is just their third loss of the season. And uh but they're still uh, in pretty good shape. They have a huge game on Saturday against the Tennessee Volunteers, another ranked opponent. And uh LSU the other th- the other part about that Alabama win is that LSU was without probably their two best players, Xavier Penson, their point guard. He did not play the entire game. And Darius Days, who in a lot of ways is their best player, who's kind of an interior player who's very athletic and can step out and shoot the jumper from outside and everything, but can also uh, play around the rim. He ended up getting injured in the first half. So they were without both of their main guns, if you will, for probably 60, 60, maybe 70% of the game on Wednesday night. So if Alabama had lost that game, man, and it was looking kind of, it was, it was, it was looking a little bit shaky there after they blew that thirteen-point lead, but they were able to find a way to win it. And uh, again, now they set themselves up. You would think they win these two games coming up, and then they have that gauntlet: Baylor at Auburn, Kentucky coming up. Uh, next week. Obviously, we're going to get into some of that next week when we come to you with my episode. So, uh, that's huge, man. Speaking of the Auburn Tigers, let's get into that. Let's get into them right now. That is the huge matchup of the weekend, maybe not only in the SEC, but maybe in all of college basketball. It's the Kentucky Wildcats. The number 12 rank at, the, at this point. Wildcats march into Auburn, man. They marched into the jungle on Saturday afternoon. That is a CBS game. Obviously, uh, that is huge. You know, you know, besides the NFL playoffs, the next thing on my radar is that football game. Really, I'd say actually, I tell you, tell it to you like this: the Titans game. If you look at, if you, if I'm ranking what I'm watching this weekend. Obviously, the one number one is going to be the Titans game, the Titans and Cincinnati playoff game. Number two is going to be Kentucky Auburn. I mean, just just point blank, Kentucky Auburn to me comes in before the other three playoff games. I mean, that's how important and how you know entertaining I think this game is going to be. On the plains on Saturday, you got people talking about camping out at Auburn, man camping out for the best seats, I guess, the students and everything. That is going to be a humongous contest. Let's get into uh, kind of previewing that game a little bit. Um, you know, Kentucky, again, they have really found their stride. I think the, their backcourt has really come along. Tata Washington, Severe Wheeler, the, the um, transfer came, come in from Georgia. Again, and then they have the big guy inside, Sheepway who is just putting up, he has become a double-double machine. Uh, and they have, a lot, they have a lot of other guys. There's no question about it. This this is starting to look like a vintage Kentucky team. And I'm and look, I, hey, I said it from the start of this season. I did not know how good this Kentucky team would be. I, you know, I questioned them. I know I was questioning them based on what they did last year and the year before that. But um, you know, still, man. I, you know, again, I, I, I just, I wondered what was going to happen with this basketball team. But I think, kind of going back to this Memphis thing, 
If you sit there and you look at Severe Wheeler, this is a dude that has experience. He played at Georgia last year. He was one of the best guards in the SEC last season. Okay, and you sit there and you think about that Kentucky squad last year, all of those freshmen, all of those youngsters who came into the season, you know, again, that was the COVID season, so you didn't have as much interaction and practice time and all of this stuff because of the shortened season and and a lot of these players didn't play in front of crowds or at least not big crowds. The SEC did have some, you know, what I can't remember what 10, 15% of the building was, you know, of the capacity was able to come into the building or whatever. I, you know, all of those things kind of factored into some of that. And I think in a lot of ways, this is exactly, you know, what we saw with Kentucky last season is exactly what we're seeing with Memphis this season. And that's kind of what I see. You know, a lot of youngsters. So, you, uh, Kentucky hit the transfer portal really hard. Severe Wheeler, this is a guy, again, he can, you know, I think he is a guy that has calmed that team down. Tasha Washington, this is a, he's kind of a do-it-all guy. Loves to get in the mid-range, but he can knock down those uh, three-point shots as well. And then, of course, they have the big guy on the inside, Sheepway. I mean, I just think uh, now Sheepway obviously is a freshman, but those other two guys have experience. And that's what you have to have. You have to have it in college basketball. Alabama, as talented as they were, they had experience. That The biggest advantage Alabama had over most of those SEC teams last year. And Alabama lost two games in the conference in regular season. And then, of course, went on and won the, the SEC tournament. The reason the reason for that was Alabama had the experience. They had Herb Jones and they had John Petty. And to go along with the other guys, the, um, the young guys that they have. That's kind of what Penny was talking about. That's kind of what Calipari was talking about last season when Kentucky was going through their growing pains. So, you know, again, that's just that's just it's it's so important, man. And, and you know, it's, it, college basketball is so unlike college football. College football, the the blue bloods, the big time programs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Michigans, Ohio State's, all of them are getting all the best players, and they're able to stay three years, most in most cases. In college basketball, the teams, teams like, uh, I don't know, like say a Belmont that comes up and makes a run in the tournament sometimes. Or you see other teams like, uh, I'm trying to think of one that made a run here lately or make some noise. This, you know, some of the mid-majors, they're able to keep those guys three, four seasons, even teams, some of the teams in the SEC. The AAC is another one of those leagues. SMU's playing with SMU's, the Cincinnati's, <laughs> the UCF right now who's having a pretty good season. All, all those teams, they have guys that are playing with them two, three, four seasons. It makes a huge difference. So that's what we're seeing at Kentucky, in my opinion. I think we've, we've, he finally has some guys that have some experience to lead those those youngsters. And uh, it's working out fine for them. We'll see how they get. We'll see if they can get the job done against Auburn on Saturday again. The Tigers, man, this for me, you know, right now Gonzaga's back to being the number one team in the nation. 
for me, the, the the best team in the country right now, from what I have seen, is the Auburn Tigers, at least right now. That's just that's just my opinion. Um, they they have all of everything that you would need. Uh, they have the big guy inside Kessler. That's going to be an interesting matchup as Kessler matches up with Sheboy on Saturday afternoon. Obviously, they have Jabari Smith. They have all those guys in the backcourt. Flanagan is back. They have a deep bench, and Bruce Pearl is is not shy to go nine, ten, you know, deep on that bench or whatever. We'll see how Kentucky matches up with that. That is going to be an insane basketball game in Auburn on Saturday. So we'll see how that turns out. There are a couple of other big games in the SEC uh, this weekend as well. And uh, but that one is obviously the headline. I mean, there's no question about it. It is it is the headlining game. And uh, again, right now, I think you sit there and you look at both of those squads. Man, Auburn and Kentucky are head and shoulders above everyone else in the SEC, and I think both are threats to make it at least to the Final Four. That's just kind of the way I see it right now. So, should be interesting to see, look at a couple of the other games that we have coming up this weekend in the SEC, man. Uh, like I said, there are a couple of other really good games that I touched on briefly. The LSU at Tennessee game, that is a huge game. Another really big one for me, in, in my opinion, is Texas A&M at Arkansas. The, the Razorbacks seemingly have kind of righted the ship. They seem to have kind of gotten things together. They've won a couple in a row. They won that game at LSU last Saturday. Uh, I think they should be uh, pretty good shape now going forward. No say the guard for them is you know, I mean, he's, he's a do it all guard. He's 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 a um, kind of a shoot first guy, but he's he's a pretty good passer as well. He's doing it on in um, both ways for sure. Uh, I think the Hogs are going to be very dangerous going forward. They get Texas and them Aggies who were undefeated in the league until this past Tuesday night when they lost to Kentucky at home. So we'll see if the Aggies can continue their good play. That should be a really good basketball game in my opinion. Um, so, again, really, really strong basketball in the league in those, you know, again, really uh, a couple marquee matchups to look out for. If we get to Saturday, we're going to get into just a little bit of football, a little bit of transfer portal news, man. <laughs> and uh, it, obviously, it's kind of spearheaded with the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Georgia making, you know, the uh, national champions. They've made a couple moves. Stetson Bennett has decided he is coming back to Georgia, which I didn't think that was much of a surprise. I think there were some people that thought maybe he might try to go pro. I really didn't see that. I'm not saying that he's <laughs> – I, I really thought that he'd come back. I really did. I think it's a wise move for him to come back. Because I'm, I'm just not really sure what his future is going to be at the next level. I mean, obviously he could probably be a backup. I don't see this guy being a high you – know, being picked higher than the third or fourth round at, at the very – I think at the very highest it would be the third or fourth round, in my opinion. But, you know, who knows? But um, he has decided to come back. And with that, 
JT, JT Daniels has decided he's going to enter the transfer the transfer portal, which obviously is not a surprise. Excuse me, definitely not a surprise on that one that JT Daniels uh, is going to step out and move on uh, to greener pastures for himself. Uh, then you look at uh, a couple, one player that is uh, entered the transfer portal, Jermaine Burton. He's the wide receiver, number seven. Kind of really a guy that Georgia used in the slot a lot. Uh, he actually, I think, if I remember correctly, he caught a touchdown in that SEC championship game against Alabama. He has entered the transfer portal. The interesting thing about that, he has Alabama on his list as possible uh, destinations. <laughs> and one, uh, Trayshawn Holden, who is currently a wide receiver for Alabama, put out a message to him on Twitter and said, you know what, man, let me holler at you. <laughs> so uh, Trayshawn Holden apparently is uh, thinking about trying to persuade him to come to Tuscaloosa. That would be interesting because, again, and Alabama would have an immediate need for a player like a guy like Jermaine Burton because this is a guy, again, like I say, he's, he played uh, the slot position, kind of like a um, Wes Welker-type guy, uh, uh, Danny Amendola-type guy or whatever. That's kind of what the look that he gives me. And Alabama, Slay Bolden is another guy that kind of fits that mold as well. Well, Slay Bolden is declared for the draft. So Jermaine Burden could be, you know, he could be a candidate to slide right into that spot. That would be kind of an insult to injury. That would be kind of an insult to Georgia fans if, if that happened, for them to lose um, one of their better receivers or whatever to Alabama. That would not be a good thing for them. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that one. Alabama, uh, one uh, guy that entered the transfer portal, but apparently is going to exit is Jalen Moody. He is the linebacker, number 42. He was reserved, but he played a huge role you know, on special teams. And also, he, he, again, he, he uh, was able to, um, he was a really good backup for guys on the interior uh, especially guys like Christian Harris, who himself has declared for the NFL draft. So, you know, uh, getting Jalen Moody back, if that indeed is the case, would be a pretty big thing for Alabama going forward next season because, I mean, obviously it gives them a little bit more depth. And, uh, you know, I think Jalen Moody's a really good football player. And so getting him back, I think, is a really good thing, especially when, you know, thinking about losing Christian Harris. So uh, in Alabama, obviously, they have not, not, not a whole lot going on in the transfer portal other than other than um, Jalen Moody this past week. We talked about some of the others last week that entered. And uh, obviously, uh, Drew Sanders, who ends up at Arkansas, which that's pretty interesting to say the least. <laughs> so the, uh, he'll face Alabama here coming up this season. Uh, well, you know, uh, I guess for the next couple of seasons because he's just a uh, freshman. So he'll be, we'll, we'll, be, we'll see him a couple of times. Um, and uh, 
So yeah, you know, again, Alabama's really, uh, you know, set at that spot anyway. So I think again, that's a pretty good move for Drew Sanders. Obviously, I think he'll probably find himself a spot where he'll be able to start and get some playing time with the Hogs, and uh, that should be an interesting look, man, going forward. Anyway, that's kind of my look at the SEC today. Uh, around the SEC, that will be what I'll call this segment going forward. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to get into some of these playoff games coming up this week, the NFL Divisional Playoffs. We're going to talk some Titans. We're going to talk some Buccaneers, what I'm looking for coming up in both of those games, and we'll do some predictions of the other two games. I'll tell you uh, my prediction and give you my score, uh, what I think the score will be. All of that, when Ball About the South continues. All right, y'all, man, let's get back into some NFL talk as we continue with episode 18 of Ball About the South with C. Wood. Uh, again, man, thank you for joining me uh, for this new episode and everything. And let's get into the NFL divisional playoff round, and we're going to talk all four games, but obviously we're going to uh, do more of an emphasis on the first two games, obviously the Tennessee Titans and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team from our neck of the woods. Uh, the Titans, my favorite team as well. So obviously I've got a little bit <laughs> more riding on this one anyway. Uh, sit there and look at this game, man, coming up Saturday afternoon with the Cincinnati Bengals coming into Nashville. Uh, obviously Derrick Henry is going to be back. That is been confirmed. Derrick Henry is, is back. He will be in the backfield for the Tennessee Titans in the starting lineup, I would assume. Not really sure how many snaps he's going to get. That's going to be the interesting thing to find out uh, once we get to Saturday. We'll see how um, Mike Vrabel plays that. Because but the, the good part about it, you don't have to bring him back too fast. Because Dante Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard have really done the job. Both of those guys have combined for over 900 yards rushing since Derrick Henry went down. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, sit there and look at it, man. Derrick Henry, when he went down in week eight, he had 900, 937 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. Between Hilliard and Dante Foreman, both those guys have gotten 916 yards. So just 21 yards shy. It's been nine games instead of the eight. Okay, but still, uh, 916 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, they've, you know, getting, they've only gotten half the touchdowns between them. But I think if you were to ask Mike Vrabel or anyone associated with the Titans, if, if, if you could get that kind of production with uh, Derrick Henry on the bench, with him out of the lineup with the injury, I think they would have taken that all day long. I don't think there's any question. I think that is, matter, as a matter of fact, I think they would, they would have taken less than that. I don't know if anyone expected the Tennessee Titans to be able to run the football as well as they were able to do. Now, again, it's, it's, there were some struggles early. Uh, obviously, and the, the, the thing about it, when you really look at it, Dante Foreman, who has 566 of those yards, uh, he didn't. He wasn't 
the first option that they looked at. I mean, Adrian Peterson was the, was really the first option that the Tennessee Titans looked at in replacing Derrick Henry, and of course that did not work out. He only played a couple games, and he was back basically on his couch. <laughs> okay, you know they got him off the couch and they kind of put him back on the couch about two weeks later. Okay, uh, you know so Dante Foreman was not even available at at the at the at the start of this. So really, you sit there and you look at his stats; they get even that more impressive when you sit there and look at it. So, you know, I don't think you have to bring Derrick Henry back too fast. I think that is a luxury. And and and, and I guess actually going forward, maybe maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe the Titans have found their guys that they can match up with uh, Derrick Henry in the future, maybe. I mean, I'm not really sure how that's going to go. But, you know, uh, both these guys, maybe one of these guys can be that nigga, you know, can be the backup. I mean, you know, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But talking about this game right here coming up Saturday afternoon, I don't think you really have to rush Derrick Henry back and say, okay, he's got to rush the ball. He's got to have 15, 20 carries or more than that. I think he can have maybe 10 or 12 carries. Um, You know, I don't know how many snaps he would play or whatever. Probably, I guess maybe you have to get him maybe, maybe about 15 carries maybe to really, um, you know, depends on how the game goes, of course. We'll see. Uh, the other positive for the Tennessee Titans going into this game, this is the third game in a row. And I don't think that's happened this season that Julio Jones and A.J. Brown have been on the field at the same time. I, I don't think there's been a time this season that they played three consecutive games. I could be wrong about that. I, I really did not go back and research it. But, you know, especially here late in the season, I know that they hadn't played that many games in a row. We, you know, Julio just came back a couple of weeks ago. So having both of them on the field and then, of course, having Derrick Henry back with some help, I think makes Tennessee even more dangerous on offense. The thing that we have to watch, and I think the key, you know, probably one of the biggest keys of this game is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you know, he has to stay away from those big turnovers that he had uh, toward the middle of the season. Um, I think he's really kind of corrected that here in the last two or three games. He's not turned the ball over. But he was a turnover machine there for a few games. Um and again, and some of it's understandable. You know, you sit there and you lose your number one offensive option. You lose basically the guy that sets up your play action passing and everything. Then you sit there and you look up. You got you know you don't have Julio Jones. In one game you don't have AJ Brown, and another game you don't have either one of them. <laughs> okay, so it's it's understandable. Don't get me wrong about that. But it's just obvious that, that Tannehill has to have a game, even if he's not, you know, having a game where he's lighting up the stat sheet, he's got to have a game where he's not turning the ball over. And I think, again, this is a Tennessee team. We, I talked about it in my preview starting the season. This team, when this when they're healthy, when Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, those guys out there with Derrick Henry, and then you sit there and you couple that 
with the ability of Ryan Townhill to use his feet as well. This is a, this should be a first down chain moving machine. It just it's as simple as that. They sit there and they get to the, get this thing. As long as they're not talking about third and nine, third and ten, you're talking about third and five, third and fours, third and third and threes. That's those type distances. I mean, I, I just don't see how you're going to stop. It. I, I just really don't. So we'll see how that goes. You're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, this is a very, very, very strong offensive team. Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, the Bengal, uh, that LSU Bayou Bengal Tiger connection up in Cincinnati, playing with the Cincinnati Bengals. How crazy is that? Um, <laughs> just, just really insane, man. But you look at that team, very explosive. Jamar Chase has really turned into one of the best receivers in the league already in his rookie season. I mean, already he's, he's, you got you have to put him up. Near the top, the top five, top ten, whatever you want to put him, he's he's gonna he's got to have his name mentioned in there, in my opinion. And then you sit there and you look at Boyd, uh, who's a guy that kind of looks gets overlooked, and T Higgins on the other side. Uh, they're an explosive team. There's no question about that. Joe Mixon, uh, running back, uh, you know, tight end Uzama is pretty good as well. They're going to challenge this Tennessee uh, secondary. I don't think there's any question about that. Can guys like Christian Fulton hold up? That has been the question of this defense all season because the the pressure, I mean, this team has gotten pressure on just about everybody they've played, whether it's been uh, Jeffrey Simmons, whether it's been Harold Landry from his linebacker position or whoever. I mean, this team has gotten pressure on the quarterback as well as anyone else in the league, which has obviously helped this secondary. So we'll see if they can get some of that pressure on Joe Burrow on Saturday. That's going to be a very important element of that football game. But again, I, I, I really believe the game plan should be to try to keep Joe Burrow and Chase and all those dudes on the sideline. Move the chains, long, sustained drives, and uh, you kind of minimize just how much time that Cincinnati offense is on the field. I think that's the key to this football game. And I think it's a Titans team that can do it. I'd even go further than that. If if Tennessee is fortunate enough to win this football game and get out of it, I think that is the key going forward, point blank, no matter who they play. I, mean, I, I, just, I think that is the key. If they're going to win these three games, if they're going to win this game on Saturday, the divisional playoff game, if they're going to win next week's uh, AFC championship game, and if they're talking about getting to the Super Bowl and having a chance to win that game, I think time of possession, ball, you know, possessing the ball, moving the chains, I think that is the key to Tennessee winning a world championship. That's just my opinion. Because I think, you know, again, I I don't know if you want to really get in a shootout with the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think, let's just say if if you get out of this game and you look up next week, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you want to get in a shootout with those guys. So, yeah, man, that, that that to me is the key for this Tennessee team going forward. We'll see how it works out. 
going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be a good game on Saturday afternoon. Let's look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the L.A. Rams. The Rams coming to Tampa Bay, visiting the, uh, the defending Super Bowl champs. This is a rematch of a game back in week three where the, uh, the Rams beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they really, really pretty much dominated that football game, but a lot was going on back then. There was a lot of differences in both teams. I think this was a Rams team at that time when that game went down. I think a lot of people kind of started penciling them in as their Super Bowl favorite. I kind of had them as my super favorite to get to the Super Bowl to start the season. And I kind of lost confidence in that <laughs> toward the middle and toward the end of the season, of course, with the you know the struggles that they've had, the struggles that um, Matthew Stafford has had. Uh, a lot. There's a lot that's changed about both these teams, in my opinion. I think you look at Tampa Bay. This is a team that is limping into the playoffs, and obviously they're limping into this football game. They were without both their running backs. Ronald Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette last weekend. I'm not sure the status of both guys. I think obviously Fournette's going to be out. So it's going to, you know, Gunner is looking like both those guys are going to be out again. You're looking at, you know, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer team that is still missing Chris Godwin. He is not going to play. So, and obviously A.B., I mean, Antonio Brown, <laughs> he did his thing or whatever, and, and he's never going to play for the Buccaneers ever again. So, I mean, you sit there and you look at all of that going on, and you, you know, you're having to rely on a guy like Keshawn Vaughn to be your running back. That is, I don't know, man. I, You know, you're talking about Tom Brady. This is Tom Brady. He's, he's still the GOAT. There's no question about that. But, you know, can they – will they have enough of a running game to kind of keep that L.A. Rams defense, um, uh, you know, kind of keep them at bay, keep them honest? I mean, you know, other, you know, I think there was a really good strategy last week against Philadelphia. The Buccaneers came out with, I think, with a lot of quick passes. They came out with tempo. They were uh, running no huddle and everything. I think that kind of got the Eagles' defense on their heels. And uh, Tampa Bay, the next thing you know, they were up 10 nothing. I thought it was a really good start to the football game for the Buccaneers. I think they're going to need something similar to in this game on Sunday. Um, it's just not going to be as easy to execute. Okay, when you're sitting there and you're thinking about this Rams defense, they're strong at, at all three levels. I don't think there's any question about that. You sit there, you look at Aaron Donald. You sit there, you look at a guy like Von Miller. You sit there looking looking at a guy like Jalen Ramsey. They have star power at all three levels. Um, obviously, they have, they're very good at getting to the quarterback. And to me, that is the that is the key to beating Tom Brady. You have to get pressure on him. Obviously, this dude is still very. I mean, this dude is is. Still very clever in the pocket. We all know that. This, you know, he's not the fastest dude in the world, but he knows. I mean, his footwork is still outstanding. He still knows how to uh, maneuver around inside the pocket and and get outside the pocket when he has to. He knows all of those things, even at 
40 whatever years old he is. We all know that. But you sit there and you look at this Rams defense. If any if any one of these teams are live <laughs> in the playoffs right now, it's going to really be able to wreak havoc on Tom Brady and get in his face and pressure him. It's this Rams team. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Bruce Arians and company come up with, with as a game plan to combat that. Uh, going to be really interesting. But on the flip side of that, the Rams have to have the ball as well. <laughs> the good news for the Rams is I think they can exploit the Tampa Bay secondary that is still questionable. The bad news is I think Tampa Bay, <laughs> who, depending on what Matthew Stafford shows up, which which Matthew Stafford shows up, is he gonna be? Is it gonna be the one that you know has shown he can take care of the ball like he did um, Monday night and just basically play to the defense because that's what happened. I mean, he made a few plays. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Cooper Cup was pretty quiet. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. made a couple of plays, but other than that, man, you know, the Rams didn't have to do a whole lot offensively Monday night. They did enough, but they didn't have to do a whole lot. The defense, I thought, really set them up really nicely in everything that they did against Arizona, which that was a terrible performance by the Cardinals, including Kyler Murray. Maybe his worst performance as a professional at just absolutely the worst time. I mean, he picked the worst time to have that type of performance. But you look at this Rams team offensively, man, obviously they have the weapons. There's no question about that. And I think if you're going to beat the the uh, Buccaneers, you have to beat them throwing the football downfield. Obviously, they've got the guys to do that. Cooper Cup, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., the key to all of that is Matt Stafford. And, you know, uh, again, if you can find a way to get in his face and get some pressure on him, we know that he'll throw the ball to the wrong jersey. So I think that's the key to this game, man. Those, to me, those are the two keys to this game. Can the Rams get that pressure? Can Aaron Donald and those guys, Von Miller, get to Tom Brady enough? Will uh, Bruce Arians and company come up with a game plan that will uh, that will be able to keep them at bay? That will be able to keep them off of Tom Brady? Will Keyshawn Vaughn be enough at running back? Those are all the biggest keys for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning this game. And I think, again, I just think the biggest key for the Rams is Matthew Stafford not making mistakes. Pretty much a lot like Ryan Tannehill. If he's not making mistakes, if he's not throwing interceptions, there's going to be plays to be made downfield against this Tampa Bay defense. So that's what that's kind of my look at both of those games. I'm going to take another really quick break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, uh, just give you a quick preview of the other two games. The other two games are, of course, the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Green Bay Packers, which should be an incredible football game at Lambeau Field on Saturday night. And then, of course, the other AFC battle, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back. I'm going to talk about all that, give you a couple of predictions of all those games when Ball About the South continues. (music) 
Alright y'all, we're going to go in with this final segment of Ball About the South, the 18th episode, and we're going to touch on these other two playoff games really quick, and then I'm going to give you my predictions for all four games. Let's look at that first game, uh, well, the second game on Saturday, that is the 49ers visiting the Green Bay Packers, and we talked about <laughs> the Niners a little bit earlier uh, with their win over Dallas last weekend. This is a team, man. They, I, you know, in a lot of ways, they dominated the Cowboys in that game. That game was not as close as the score indicates. And now they get set to go back across country to Lambeau Field. It's going to be cold, I'm sure. There again, man. You know, obviously, when you sit there and you talk about NFL, you talk about football. Period. Whether it's the NFL or college, obviously, you know. You, how your quarterback performs is going to be of utmost importance. We all know that. I mean, there's no there's no rocket science involved in figuring that out. But you know, it just seems more so in these matchups this weekend, and and is as far as determining who, if you're sitting there trying to you know pick who wins the football game, you're trying to get trying to predict the outcome and everything. And there, that is no more true in this matchup again with the San Francisco 49ers and the Packers. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, we talked about it last week as well. Again, this is a, this is a guy that if he can get stay out of his own way, not throw a huge pick, the 49ers are going to be competitive and they're going to be right there with a chance to win the football game. And I feel no differently about this um, this game this coming week as, as I felt about the game last week against Dallas. Um, obviously, the Packers are a better football team than the Cowboys are. I think on just about every way, obviously. Uh, you know, when you talk about quarterback play, obviously Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I'm not sitting there trying to say that. But I think when you sit there, you're talking about trust level. You know, I, I trust Dak Prescott as much as I would trust Aaron Rodgers in a position like this. I mean, I know that may be kind of crazy to say, but you sit there and look at the track record. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl. And they have uh, squandered home field advantage in a couple seasons here of late. And, uh, you know, again, it's not been just his fault, but uh, you know, so again, this 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 is a game that's very much like last week's against uh, Dallas. I just think it's a little bit better competition. Um, the Green Bay Packers again. I think a lot of people are uh, they're most people's favorite to make it to the Super Bowl right now. Uh, you know, again, I, and I, I can't. And it's kind of hard for me to argue with that. But this 49ers team, man, it, it, to me, is just something about this team, especially when you think about a guy like Debo Samuel. All of the problems, and this dude, <laughs> his Twitter handle is is 19 problems, <laughs> which I mean, I mean that's classic. I love that. I mean, that, that I think that's cool 
Twitter him. I don't think there's any question about that, and, and, it's, and it's absolutely correct because this dude causes problems. He causes defenses issues because you don't know where he's going to line up. You have to have someone line up with him. And then, but then, who are you going to get to line up with him? Especially if he's in the backfield. I mean, who are you going to line up with him? A, li- a linebacker? A safety? Which, obviously, if you sit there and you try to line up with him, that's going to uh, make you vulnerable somewhere else on the field, which could open up George Kittle or or Brandon Ayuk or, you know, whoever. I mean, you know, I just I love the way Kyle Shanahan is using Devo Samuel right now. I just I think it's beautiful football. And um, again, uh, this defense is good enough. They, they are good enough to do what they need to do against Green Bay. I mean, I, I just think that they are. And uh, again, but it all turns back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and he almost blew the damn game. Last Sunday against Dallas. <laughs> I mean, that pick almost did them in. If if he doesn't throw that interception, the 49ers win that game by double digits. So, Jimmy G staying away from that big turnover is absolutely the key to this football game. Other than that, I think we're talking about a game that's a toss-up. I really do. I think it's a toss-up. I'm going to say that Jimmy Garoppolo stays away from that huge turnover, that huge interception that blows the game for the 49ers. And I'm going to say the 49ers come out of Lambeau Field with a victory. And I'm going to pick it as being, uh, I'm going to come up with a score of 26 to 23. I really like the 49ers in this football game. I like the 49ers in this spot. I like the 49ers in just about every spot <laughs> in the NFC playoffs on the NFC side. So I've got the 49ers getting it done and the, the Green Bay Packers disappointing again with home field advantage at Lambeau Field. I've got the 49ers winning that game on Saturday evening. Let's look at the other game on Sunday, the AFC matchup. Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills. This has shootout written all over it, to a degree. <laughs> I can see this being a shootout, but you know, and I think I think it probably will be. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if we see a totally different game because, again, there's been this for me. That's still something wrong with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. Again, you know, I'm not I'm not getting. I'm not going crazy over 42 points that they put on Pittsburgh last week. I'm just not. I mean, you're talking about a Pittsburgh offense that's, you know, they could not move the ball. They're not, uh, you know, they're punting constantly all night long. Uh, they've, you know, the Chiefs had every opportunity to blow the, to blow the Steelers out, and they finally got it together. And they did so. Buffalo's is going to be a totally different animal. I mean, Josh Allen, this team right now looks to be, you know, this was probably their most complete um, performance of the season last week against the Patriots. Both sides of the football. I just, man, I just think that this Buffalo team is ready to really contend and really um, 
make this thing tough for Kansas City. I just, again, I'm just not sold on this team offensively anymore. Not in a big game, I'm not. I mean, I'm just not. This team has struggled since the middle of the season. Really, in, in, in a lot of cases, in a lot of ways, you can make the argument that when you compare what we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes in the first two or three seasons of his career, he struggled the entire season. I mean, he, you know, this is there's nothing really explosive about this team. We saw them, you know, using trick plays again against Pittsburgh this past Sunday night. I don't see that working this coming this coming Sunday. I, I really don't. I don't see, you know, if you've got to sit there and, and uh, Travis Kelsey, you've got to come up with a play for Travis Kelsey to throw the ball on the goal line. I, you know, I, I think you kind of, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit worried about that. I, I, I am. I, I, if, if you had said, look, we put 42 points on the board, and Mahomes had four or five touchdowns, and you know uh, Tyreek Hill went off, or Travis Kelsey went off four hundred and fifty yards, or two hundred yards, or whatever. Then I feel a lot better about it. I just don't think that's what we saw against the Steelers. I think we saw a team that took advantage of a Steelers team that could not score. The defense put them in short fields, and we saw the. Kansas City Chiefs kind of touring around with them offensively. I think that's what we saw. I don't think we saw the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think we saw Mahomes dominate the Steelers. I don't think that's what we saw. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I really like the chances of Buffalo to be able to slow this team down enough in this football game. I really I, I like their chances. I again now do I think it's enough for them to win the game? That is another story. <laughs> that that is another story. I, I, I'm not I'm just not really sure when you talk about that game being in Kansas City, can Buffalo make enough plays to win the football game. Do I think they can slow down Kansas City enough to have a chance to, to make those plays? Yes. Do I think they'll make those plays? That's where my question comes in. So I'm going to go... Oh man, I, you know, I've gone back and forth on this game all week. <laughs> but I'm going to, you know, one, one side of me wants to pick Buffalo. The other side definitely wants to go with the Chiefs. I think the, the the side that wants to go with the Chiefs is is kind of kind of winning out just a little bit, just simply because that game is in Kansas City. So I'm going with the Chiefs to win the game, and uh, but I think it's going to be a tight one. I think both teams get into the 30s, uh, you know, I'm, uh, maybe uh, at least high 20s. I think probably the 30s. So I'm going to go with the uh, Chiefs winning this game 34-30. That's going to be my pick <laughs> for that AFC, for the other AFC divisional game. But again, it would not surprise me if this game was a little bit lower scoring than that because we've seen both these teams have their struggles on the offensive side of the ball. So it would not, it would, it would not surprise me if we're talking about a game that's 24-20 or something like that. 
But either way, I think the Chiefs will find a way at home with that crowd to pull it out. And well, we've already previewed both the other games, the Tennessee Titans, the games with the teams in our neck of the woods right down here in the South as we ball about the South. Let's give you my predictions for both of those games. First, I'll start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Sunday game. I like the L.A. Rams to come out with the mild upset. I think that, uh, again, we've not seen <laughs> Tom Brady fail at this part of the playoffs very often. But I think this is going to be the one time that he's going to do it. I just don't see how the Buccaneers are going to be able to keep him clean. And then if they are able to keep him clean, will he have enough weapons to get the ball to? I just think this Rams defense is really stout. I think, again, as long as Matthew Stafford is not <laughs> doing things to uh, give the ball away, to give the game away to the Buccaneers, I like the Rams in this spot. I think they're a little bit better right now than the, and obviously more healthy than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like the Rams to win this game 27-20. to 20. Okay, and then let's look at the other game, the Tennessee Titans. That is my team, man. My favorite team in the NFL. If they get ready to host the Cincinnati Bengals, I think you're going to see more of a... I, I, I don't think you're going to see a really a lot of fireworks. I think if you see a lot of fireworks, that probably is more of an advantage for Cincinnati in this game. I think you're going to see this Tennessee team try to keep Cincinnati's offense off the field. And I think I think you'll see this defensive line in this uh, front seven have some success getting to, to uh, Joe Burrow. Again, the question is going to be how does the secondary hold up? <sighs> I think this is a tight game, man. This may be the game of the weekend. <laughs> I think both the Saturday games are going to be both the better games of this weekend. I, I think all four can be really great. But I think the two games on Saturday could be the best two games of the weekend. And I really don't want this first game, man. The, ten, the Titans, and I, I'd rather them just blow out the Bengals if at all possible. <laughs> okay, but I know that's not going to happen. But I'm going to roll with the Tennessee Titans, man. I, I just think having Derrick Henry back is going to be huge for this football team. And then to have him not be able to, you know, not have to sit there and come and think he has to carry the ball 25 times. He can carry them maybe about 15 times. And then they split up the rest of the carries with uh, Dante Foreman and and, um, and uh, Hilliard. I think the Tennessee Titans are going to be fine. I think they find a way to get it done. I'm going to say pick this game with a score of 27 to 17. All right, y'all. That is my show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um Man, really good show. We covered quite a bit. We talked some college basketball, which I love. That's one of my, again, there are a lot of things I would like to change about college basketball, but it's still one of my favorite sports. Maybe maybe still is my favorite sport along with the NBA. Just, you know, we did not get into the NBA, but trust and believe we will get a lot of talk into the NBA once we get, um, you know, kind of out of the NFL and everything. We're going to talk a lot of NBA as we get closer to the All-Star game, trade deadline, playoffs, all that good stuff. Do not worry about that at all. Um, talk to us a little bit of college football today. 
Obviously, this show is going to be mostly NFL, and it's going to be that way for the next couple of weeks, more than likely. Hopefully, we'll have at least the Tennessee Titans to talk about in the uh, AFC Championship game next week. If Even if not, we're going to talk extensively about what we saw in this game against Cincinnati coming up. Obviously, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well, and whoever is in the uh, uh, AFC in the championship games next week. We'll talk about those two matchups. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about some SEC. Huge game on Saturday afternoon. The Auburn Tigers hosting the Kentucky Wildcats. That is going to be a fantastic basketball game. Anyway, man, again, I want to thank you for coming in and joining me on Ball About the South. My name is Kerry Wood at C Wood on Sports on Twitter and IG is where you can find me. And uh, look, I really appreciate you joining, and uh, I really would like you to uh, like, subscribe to the podcast. Come and holler at me on Twitter, man. Comment here on the on the show on Spotify. You can make comments on obviously on Apple Podcasts. You can make a comment and uh, give that five star rating. All those good things, man. And until next week, man. I'm out. Y'all be safe out there. I'll holler at you next week. <laughs>